0: Hey, so this is just a few thoughts about voting and faith and um, how that uh, impacts what we vote. So early voting has ended in the midterm elections and election day is Tuesday. And many people in America see it as a turning point. They think that there is a lot at stake. It's a very important election And locally, we have a big fight brewing. Ted Cruz is defending his Senate seat from challenger Beto O'Rourke. You might have heard about it. I already decided almost a year ago that I was not going to give my vote to Cruz, and I wrote about that last December. But right up until the day before early voting started, I was still conflicted about how I would handle my vote if I was not going to vote for Cruz. Should I vote for a work? Should I write in a candidate or should I leave it blank and not for, vote for that race at all? And what about the other races? Greg Abbott is the number one enemy of public education in Texas and has made it his mission for the past couple of years to do all he can to dismantle it, turning it over to private countries and following the path of failure down which DeVos led Michigan schools. And just a couple days ago, he announced his plan, which was completely separate from the committee that was set up to actually put together a plan that he was going to cap property taxes and then give incentives for uh, academic performance, which may sound like a good thing until you actually start researching this. And basically what he's doing is starving out public schools and so further trying to push them down the path to disintegration. My first thought for Governor was to write in Joe Strauss as a protest against what I see as brown shirt-like actions of the Republicans following Abbott's leave who censured Strauss on his way out. This happened to Sam Houston as well. So what to do? It was not an easy decision because I have been a diehard Republican my entire life. It is completely ingrained in me to always support Republican candidates. But what do you do when the people you have always supported have acted in a way that you can no longer support? So this is going to be sort of a long sort of rambling talk, but I promise it will come together in, in the end. Part of the reason I'm sharing this here is that a, a large percentage of um, my site's visitors come looking for information on the discerning of spirits. And yes, I promise Elections and voting are actually related, and I'll, I'm going to tell you a story to explain. and And it begins with a personal confession. So, I did not vote for Obama. I did not support him as president, and I was not happy when he was le- elected. Now, having said that, I did always pray for him because we are to always. Um, We're told that we are to pray for those in authority over us. So, even if I don't support a candidate someone in a position, I pray for them because that is what we're told to do. So anyway, one day I was driving home and a car had their, this was after the election, but the car had their Obama bumper sticker displayed. And I had this overwhelming urge to ram the car. And this is just not like me at all, but I'm not making this up. The feeling was so strong that it shocked me. And I thought, what is wrong with me? This is just not right. Now, I had come out of a very hard season and a situation. This this totally separate thing, but one where I had believed I had been, not believed, I had been very wronged. And I understood the importance of forgiveness and I had forgiven the people involved. I had prayed to God to forgive me of my bitterness And that I chose to forgive them and I asked God to forgive them for their actions as well. And it was totally out of obedience and in the beginning a completely intellectual exercise because I did not feel forgiving. And I didn't even for a long time afterwards. So Jesus talks about not letting those who wrong you enslave you emotionally and if we receive an unjust judgment, we're to go an extra mile. That's what it was about. We are to pray for those who persecute us. And when those words were written, Christians were actually being physically persecuted. And we are to bless those who curse us. So in order to get beyond the bitterness and the turmoil of the situation, I had to go further than simply praying to forgive. I began to praying for the people involved, asking God to bless them every day for a very long time. And it was a long time because that is how long it took for God to change my heart and for me to release the bitterness. Because I'm stubborn, what can I say? He has to work really hard on me. So when the car incident happened, it got me thinking, Why would I ever feel this way towards someone that I don't even know who has done nothing to me other than vote in a different way than I had? It was ridiculous. There was no reason to feel that way at all. And I knew the problem was with me. So I began to do the same thing that the Holy Spirit had used to get my heart right before in the other personal situation. I began to pray for Democrats. So if I saw a bumper sticker, I would pray, God bless their hearts. As I drove by a yard sign, I would ask God for the same thing that I pray for my own family, to bless their family. I would pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, so that they would know that what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. And this that's Ephesians 1, 18-19. Eventually, even in the middle of the, all the hyperpartisanship that you see in the media and online, God freed me from that, and I wasn't even sure what to call it at the time other than a wrong heart condition. I still disagreed with many of the things on the Democratic platform, but I didn't feel animosity toward the person holding those opinions. I just didn't agree. So then the election in 2012 arrived and i had been studying quite a bit about deliverance and spiritual warfare and discerning of spirits and i had several experiences that helped me begin to see the impact of those spiritual forces and when they were when they were operating so early voting began and one day there was a knock at my door but by the time i got there the person was gone but they had left a door hanger promoting obama so keep in mind that they weren't even there and i had already voted at this point And besides that, I had been praying for members of the opposite party for several years at this point, and I hadn't felt heat about it for a long time. But yet, as I walked inside, I began ranting ranting to myself, and again, I stopped and I thought, what is this? And as I thought about it, I recognized that it was a spirit. I could actually, thinking back over that moment, I I could pinpoint the moment when I felt This spirit's influence on me, and it was a spirit of divisiveness. That was not the first time that I had recognized an aggressive spirit at work, and you know what? It's actually a real thing. So next comes the 2016 election, and in the year leading up to the election, I was so happy. I was think like, how many, how many candidates did Republicans have? I think it was like 12 at one point, and in my opinion, almost. All of them would have been an excellent choice. I like, how could we lose? So I'll admit, you know, I was one of those people that thought Trump was just running for exposure and notoriety. I did not take his candidacy seriously. and when he won the nomination, I was just stunned. I, it was also at that point that I lost all hope of that election turning our country around. And I thought, only Jesus can help us now because we certainly cannot help ourselves. I was also convinced that it was guaranteed that Clinton would win the presidency. So I'm not going to get into an analysis of why so many evangelical Christians became such staunch supporters of someone whose actions are the very antithesis of what Christian behavior should be. That is not why I'm sharing this. But I was in a conversation with someone a couple of months before the election. They were just going on and on about, what a wonderful candidate Trump was. And I said, these are my exact words, was not arguing, this is just what I said. I said, there is no way he is going to win against Hillary. We managed to pick the one person who could lose against her. And this just shows that Republicans have no more sense than Democrats. Obviously, I was wrong about him winning. But now comes the point of this whole story. The person I said this to kind of came unglued, and I was not arguing with them. I was just saying what I thought. I had no emotional investment in the election at all because for me, the hopes of a positive outcome was lost months before. So November was just kind of like, I didn't even care, honestly. But the person's response to that was so out of character for them. I had never seen them act that way, and I thought, this is weird not only was it out of character but the response was completely out of proportion to the rest of the conversation so as the weeks leading up to the election went on i noticed that happening more than once like a, people that i that i know that i care about and respect would come come completely unhinged when they talk about politics or trump the things they said were just like the repellent things trump would say and it it was not like them at all, and it seemed to me that there was a spirit at work and not a good one, and I felt that like by supporting Trump, they were coming into agreement with it. They were loosing this spirit and empowering it, and I didn't want Hillary to win, but I, I just could not vote for Trump. It wasn't even him so much. Because like so many people, I thought at the time that much of what he was saying was just for shock value and I didn't think he could actually believe and act on what he was saying. I mean, obviously I was wrong about that too. But the reason I didn't vote for Trump was because of the way his supporters acted. I felt like if I voted for him that I would be coming into agreement with and putting myself under that same malignant and divisive spirit. So this is how you know that it's a spiritual stronghold at work. Because you can have a long conversation with someone and they cannot accept anything that doesn't fit the picture that they've painted in their head. What they, Regardless of all the facts, to the contrary, they believe that Trump, who has said he's never repented, is a good Christian man. That all Democrats are evil and all Republicans are righteous Christian warriors and that the video of his misogynistic comments were fabricated and that the multiple women who have testified of sexual harassment are all lying and that the affairs that have come to light are some liberal scheme to discredit him and that the Mueller investigation is a whip, witch hunt fabricated by fake news media. Nothing. I mean nothing causes them to reassess their position. Nothing. And and I've seen this in people who, you know, there's there's always been people who are have gone off the deep end. I'm not talking about them. I mean, these are people who that's just not them and normally and but about this it is. It's a spirit. It's a spirit at work. People can have wrong beliefs because they are misinformed or uninformed, and in those cases, giving them. True and the right information fixes the problem. They leave those wrong beliefs behind. However, when someone is given information that corrects the wrong belief and they not only refuse to accept it but can't even recognize it, it's not an information problem. It's a spiritual problem. They are blinded to the truth. They literally cannot see it. But the issues go far beyond the office of president, and it was actually a small local election, that of our school board, that caused me to reassess trusting someone just because they claimed to be of the same political party. It began in the spring of 2016 when our school district announced the lone finalist for superintendent. So in Texas, applications for a superintendent are kept confidential until the field is narrowed down to one person. And then there's a 21-day waiting period, or yeah, 21-day period that's theoretically for community feedback. And the thought is that this will allow a district to field uh, more qualified candidates as superintendents because um, people would be less likely to apply for another position like so if someone is already superintendent they wouldn't want to jeopardize their current job by people knowing that they're applying somewhere else so um the morning the selection was announced i received a a group test text from a friend who was originally from the same area as a loan finalist and the district um the selected finalist was leaving. It had essentially been a war zone for like the past eight years. Is that school board had been taken over, bought really, by those who wanted to take the Douglas, this was the district was the Douglas County School District in Colorado, and they wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to privatize um, the schools and kind of follow the whole reformer and Betsy DeVos path. And this Colorado community was high income. They were highly educated. They were very conservative and they were very engaged. And because, you know, they had the high income and the education and the engagement of the parents, the district was a well-performing district. They scored well on tests. It was considered a destination for both families searching for schools and for teachers because of the culture and collaboration. And it was even recognized by the U.S. Department of Education as an example of collaboration between teachers, administration, and the community. So these people who, or the reformers, who took over the board in the Colorado School District, hired Fagan, the person our district, chose as a lone finalist, and the district began going downhill in both terms of culture and test scores. And I'm not going to write about that. Like, numerous articles have been written about the parents' fight to take back their schools. And, and a documentary was even created on both the story of the district, that one was called The Reformers, as well as the privatization movement as a whole. Um, that documentary is called Education, Inc., and it actually happened to win a Heartland Emmy. So you can research um, you can research that if you're interested. But was relevant to our district is that in the previous November 2015, the parents in Douglas County had finally won their first victory. Three seats were up for election on the Douglas County Board of Trustees and the parents movement won all three. That following spring, one of the former board members in Colorado was recorded at a meeting saying that while he didn't regret any of the decisions they had made, that if Fagan was still superintendent when the November 2017 election came around, that they would lose the other four seats. He knew that she was a huge political liability. Just a week after that, Umble ISD announces Fagan as the sole finalist. And after, so after celebrating, because they've been working on this for years, after celebrating that she would be gone, that Colorado parents weren't people in Umble ISD. Some people, such as my friend, were from the area and, and knew the history. Some uh, res- were residents of um, Douglas County. ISD had relatives in Umble ISD. And some people just, hey, they just warned people on Facebook. It was a huge uproar. People protested, I mean, in the streets, true story. So up until this point, like most people as a whole trusted the school board. I mean, there had been, there would be dissenters here and there. There was such as this, there was this one parent who was, who pushed for, I think, about three years for the district elections to be moved from May, May to the general election in November. There would be occasionally be rumblings and snide comments about one trustee or another, but, you know, schools are really about community, and if your personal experience is a positive one, you know, and you aren't hearing anything hearing anything otherwise, it's easy to trust the school board and the district for the rest of it, for the stuff that you're, you, you don't know. I mean, you just go based off of what you know. So when I first heard about the controversy, my thought was I was sure that the uproar was overblown. I was primed to trust the board. I didn't know any of them personally, but I knew people who did know them. And those people I liked and respected. And so since I had friends that were defending the school board members that they were friends with, I wanted to believe it was true. And then I began to research And the first articles I came across were publicity pieces paid for by the Douglas County Education Foundation, although I didn't know that at the time. Even with those in one of the articles interviewing Fagan, she said something that made me think, what does she think truth is? And then I got past page one of the search results and I became very concerned. There was page after page of, articles and posts from parent protesters about in Douglas County about what was going on in the district. Not only the treatment of the teachers and what was being taught, but articles on the unauthorized development of a software program that was kept secret from the taxpayers and you know the funding wasn't accounted for and I still don't think that they even have numbers for that. I mean there were many reasons for concern in many areas. And right before all this broke, I had literally just finished a research and writing class in my apologetics program where one of the things, one of the readings was The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. And as I was reading about this situation in Douglas County, not only about the actions, but the ideology behind it, I realized this is a green book, The Abolition of Man, so, the Green Book is what Lewis called an English grammar textbook that he was given to review, and it sparked the essay that he titled, The Abolition of Man. The book is about the importance of a, of objective truth and warning against relativism. The movement he saw spreading through education 70 years ago is called constructivism, which is where students make their own truth and meaning. And... Actually, my essay in the inaugural issue of an unexpected journal was actually kind of sp- stemmed from this experience in our school district. So what Lewis wrote about 70 years ago in England wasn't just like some academic theory. It was a real thing that had tentacles in my own district, my neighborhood. It was imp- impacting my kids and that of their f- friends. The horrid district reading program that I have hated Heated since my oldest was in first grade, is based on whole language learning, which itself is based on constructivism. But back to the superintendent selection. There was a huge ruckus. The school board was at a loss how to handle it because they were used to people just believing whatever they said, whether or not it made any logical sense or not, such as it was cheaper to hold their own standalone elections and it was too expensive for the district to add their trustee and bond elections to the unified ballot yes they still say that and our elections are still in may and people still believe it even even though the neighboring district with a whopping total of seven schools happens somehow manages to hold their elections on the unified ballot They can afford it, but we can't. I don't know. So so as a concession, the school board held a special board meeting supposedly to listen to citizen concerns. It was on a June night in Houston, which if you don't know, is hot and very humid. There were fewer chairs in the boardroom than normal. And from that, a row was reserved for board spouses, some of whom didn't even show up and the boardroom was filled as was the hallway outside and there were no chairs in the hallway, there was no air conditioning in the hallway and they didn't even have the closed caption TVs turned on so so people in the hallway couldn't even hear what was being said in the boardroom. The board also chose not to live stream the meeting so it was left to parents to record and live stream it for everybody else. Facebook Live comes in so handy. You might think, but hey, the board is listening, right? No. One of the trustees filibustered for three hours. I am not making this up. Three hours until most of the media left. After those three hours and a 100 plus slide PowerPoint presentation, which essentially dis—you know dismissed and mocked every concern parents had, calling us the Kardashian na- network, not once, But twice, parents finally had a chance to speak to the board. During that time, the long-winded trustee topped his Kardashian comment by responding to a parent and a teacher who has a PhD in behavioral sciences by saying he had, the PhD had a comprehension problem. So I'm pretty sure that this parent has an actual earned degree with more credibility than an honorary degree from a university with a non-functioning website that's only open for 40 minutes a day. Just saying. Anyway, so the parent comments went on for another three hours. What was the result? Nothing. That special specially called board meeting was just for show, so they could act like they were listening to the community. Nothing anyone could say was going to change their mind. So when I watched Dr. Ford's testimony last month during the Kavanaugh hearings, it reminded me exactly of that situation. It was all a game, a power play for senators on both sides of the aisle. Yes, it was obvious that Feinstein had withheld Ford's information to use it as leverage against the Republicans, but it was also equally obvious that listening to Dr. Ford's te- testimony was just a show for the Republicans. Her testimony was very obviously true. The impact of that assault played a continuing role in her life. But like with our school board members, there was nothing anyone could say that would change the Senate Republicans' minds. They didn't care whether or not whether what she was saying is. true was true, just as they didn't care that Kavanaugh avoided answering many direct questions during the confirmation hearings, that he had lied in previous confirmation hearings, one of his own emails in the hearing record refuted his claims about his drinking, and the very questionable condition of his finances. They didn't care about any of that. None of that mattered, so why would it matter to them what happened to a Democrat when she was 17? The way the propaganda machine started churning out attacks against her also reminded me of what they said about us who protested Fagan's hiring. Besides dismissing us as a Kardashian network that had comprehension problems, they also said that everything the parents in Douglas County were saying were lies, that those speaking against her hiring in Humble were out-of-state liberal operatives. Yeah, really, they said that. And that we, the local parents, were not representative of what the district as a whole thought and then that following spring during the trustee election a board member actually said that about me while i was standing five feet from her when we were both at the polls she said she doesn't really represent parents oh yeah she did so at that point most of us who were against the hiring of, of the Sloan finalists still generally had a positive view of the board yeah there was there were a couple that had acted like jerks during that hearing but overall you know we were kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt they were trash talking us but we thought they actually believed what they were saying that it was some ploy you know you hear that so often we thought they actually believed it so when Brian Malone, the director of Education Inc. E- and the Reformers, came out to Kingwood to give a show a showing of the Reformers to kind of help us get up to speed and so we could get an idea of what we were dealing with, one of the people at the show showing said about the board, "We don't think they're evil. We just think they don't know." And uh, Malone looked at us and he said, "Oh, that's that's just so endearing." And looking back, I can see he knew that we had some hard revelations coming. So we actually believe that they really thought that the only reason that there was pushback was because of the work from some scary out-of-state liberal operatives. We really thought they just didn't know. We thought that they had been fooled. We thought it might have been some manipulation on the part of the search firm the district hired. Yes, I know. We were so gullible. I've since been told that Fagan was not brought in by that search firm at all. The search firm found a number of very well-qualified candidates, but that two of the trustees held out and said to keep looking. Then Fagan showed up. Supposedly, the search firm actually advised against her, saying she was too controversial. But that is who our board insisted on. They knew exactly what they were getting the whole time. They knew everything the Douglas County parents were saying was true. And they knew all along that they were lying about us local parents. They knew. So when someone starts beating that same old worn out drum trying to ramp up Republicans by claiming something or other is a liberal conspiracy, you'll just have to excuse me if I don't fall for those scare tactics designed to direct the conversation from the actual issues. Because I've had those exact same things said about me. So if the people saying it about me were knowingly lying and manipulating, in my mind the odds are pretty good that other politicians resorting to those same tactics are as well. So what happened next? The board hired their choice, ignoring the citizen f- feedback. And a number of us began researching. We began researching more about what happened in Douglas County. We were researching the school privatization movement and the players behind it. We were researching what was going on nationwide as well as in the state of Texas regarding education. We also began researching what had been going on in our own district. The trust was broken. We found that we should have been paying attention long, long before. There were concerns about test scores, building maintenance, support for teachers, and the administration of contracts, just to name a few. We found that the rosy picture we had of our district was a facade teachers in the district were afraid to speak up and speak out. It was either toe the line or get out. But there were eight whole months from the time the superintendent was hired to the filing for the school board election. And there were four seats up for election in May of 2017. One was open and the other three against incumbents. And even though the board had infuriated many people, there were just a handful of people who stepped up to run for the seats. Of the challengers who filed, Seven filed for the open seat and then one against each of the incumbents. And so regarding the three incumbents, at the time, I didn't have anything against two of them other than their hiring of the superintendent and their Borg-like votes on the board. I mean, that's not the case now, but it was the case then. But the third person in position one, I would not have voted for him under any circumstance. If the only person running against him was a 25-year-old progressive that initially filed to run against him and then dropped out before the race actually even got started, I would have voted for the 25-year-old progressive. If he ran unopposed, I would not have voted for that position at all. I mean, there had been scuttlebutt about this particular incumbent for years and not unsubstantiated. It was actually a matter of public record. The why behind that record was a question, or at least it was to some people. But what was not in question was a well-documented situation while he was on the board. So his brother, and this is a, the trustee's brother, was a teacher and a baseball coach at, at Umball High School. An associate principal found out that the brother of the trustee was scheduled for a class that had no students, and he was leaving the campus during that period and couldn't be located. So the associate principal went to the the high school principal. He told her to talk to the athletic director. The athletic director said it wasn't his problem. So since no one in authority would take an action, the associate principal handled it herself. She redid the schedule, making the trustee's brother teach a different class. The you-know-what hit the fan. The brother complained to this trustee and the trustee to the principal, and according to the principal, the trustee pushed and pushed and pushed until the associate principal was demoted and moved to another campus with a $30,000 pay cut. The trustee, of course, denied he had anything to do with it. So let's be clear about what's going on here. That, That the teacher was getting paid for a class and cutting out is fraud and there had to be multiple layers of complicity in the scheduling department of the school, the administration, the principal, the athletic director, and the trustee. That the associate principal was demoted was retaliation, and the trustee's actions on behalf of his brother is nepotism. The teacher should have been fired and the trustee removed, but that's not what happened. After a long grievance procedure through the district, The associate principal was given a similar position at the new campus. She's since not even with our district at all. But what happened to the perpetrators? Want to guess? Nothing. The principal was promoted to a position in the district administration. The athletic director is still there. Nothing was said about the trustees' actions. Anytime it comes up, the board in their mouthpiece is saying that there were other there were other things that were an issue with the associate principal and they hinted all this dark and shady stuff. The brother ended up retiring and then they named the high school baseball field after him. True story. The only person that suffered consequences from the whole thing was the associate principal who took action to stop the fraud. So that's the story for the incumbent running for position one. There is no way... He would ever get my vote for anything. So when I heard that Bob Rehack was running against this particular incumbent, I was ecstatic. And I had not met Bob, and I didn't until two weeks before the election, but I've known who he was since I moved to Kingwood. And he is one of those people that every sort of organization and every community needs. His name is is always being mentioned because of his volunteer efforts in our community association and area fundraisers. He was a key person behind the development of our East End Park. He was part of starting the EcoBots program in our schools. Prior to Harvey, he was researching suitable locations for an area dog park, and since Harvey, he's been writing articles daily on flooding issues and is one of the most active and informed forces for flood remediation in our area. He's someone who's always giving back and making a difference. He filed for position one, and he's so well-known and so well-respected. I was sure he could win. So the deadline for the candidates to file for a position was in February. And at the beginning of the month, one of the local hospital systems released a press release Announcing the move of one of their executives from their Northeast location to their Katy location. This executive happened to also be a school board trustee. One who was not running for election. So people immediately began asking him if he was stepping down from the school board. And with a horrendous Houston traffic, no one believed that he would stay in Kingwood and commute to the west side of town. He had stepped down from his position on the executive committee for the local chamber of commerce, but he refused to say what his plans were for the school board. So the deadline for filing the, the trustee election passed, and a few days later, somebody sent me a message on Facebook with a link to hard.com to a listing, a pending listing for this executive and school board trustees house. It was listed and had a pending offer the same day. The questions continued. People wanted to know if he was gonna step down and again, he refused to answer. And at this point, it was obvious that this was a ploy to hold that fifth seat out of the upcoming election so that the school board could give their seat, that seat to their choice in an appointment. The executive was So indignant that we would accuse him of this. I mean, really, Kavanaugh could not even approach him in righteous indignation. By this point, the the incumbents had set up a Facebook group uh, ostensibly for ISD supporters in in response to the parents group that had launched from the uproar over the superintendent selection. So anyone that questioned the school board members spoke negatively about anything related to the incumbents, even in another group, was blocked from this supporters group. The incumbents had a whole crew of people who would defend them, insisting it was perfectly reasonable that he not step down, that of course he didn't know what his plans were, and how dare we say that he was intentionally keeping the seat from going up for election. So time for the election rolls out around early voting starts. This is a long story, I know, but I think these details are important to really understand the scope of what we're talking about. So one would think for a school board election that you just print a few flyers, speak at a few events, knock on some doors. No. So this is a recap of the players. There were the three incumbents who campaigned as a group. It was a slate of challengers who had originally filed independently but came together after the campaigning started. And the, these were those that were promoted and endorsed by the by the, our local parents group. And the remaining candidates running independently for that open seat. And then there was a Kingwood Tea Party. What does a tea party have to do with this? Yes, that is a very good question. If anyone has a full scoop on this, please let me know. Seriously, the closest indicator we have is that the organizers, James Lennon, response to Bob Rehack when Bob was interviewed by the Kingwood Tea Party. According to Bob, when he told Lennon that he did not support school privatization, Lennon screamed at him for 10 minutes. So obviously Lennon is for privatization. As is our governor, Greg Abbott. And I think I mentioned that at the very beginning of all this, didn't I? So, needless to say, Bob didn't get the Tea Party endorsement for the race. And according to our board members, when they were challenged during the superintendent hiring uproar, they insisted they were not for the re- reform privatization movement even though the superintendent they hired is a poster child for that movement. But yet, here, Lenin is endorsing them. So, local voters are familiar with the Kingwood Tea Party because they are at every election handing out their badly designed voter's guides. Even though the nonprofit organization for the Kingwood Tea Party was revoked in 2015, and their PAC has been filing campaign finance report saying they have zero income and zero expenses since that same time, but they've still been holding events and printing and mailing out campaign material. I guess rules just don't apply to them. Lennon was out as a Kingwood Early voting for the trustee election, which, keep in mind, is the only thing on the ballot, all day, every day, handing out flyers. Not only was Lennon handing out flyers and hanging out in the incumbent's tent, but he was harassing the moms who were there campaigning for the challengers. And they had their children with them as well. He was taking photos of them and posting them online. You know how nasty people get online about politics? It was like that. So Lennon's postcards, flyers, and emails all had the same message. Do you want to take a wild guess what it was? It was a call of alarm that Democrats were involved in the raid, race and that progressives were trying to take over the school board. I mean, the Soros bo- bogeyman might have been raised. I've, I've heard so much garbage since then, it's hard to remember. So this is a nonpartisan volunteer position. The Tea Party was campaigning with undisclosed funds. The Kingwood Republican women posted a photo of a strategy planning meeting for the school board election in January before any of these candidates had even filed. But for some reason, Democratic involvement is the end of the world. So I was at a poll on Election Day, and there were only two things I heard from people coming to vote. The first was, Why are my taxes so high? The second was, People coming in with Tea Party flyers to vote against. The Democrats, again, it's a nonpartisan race. There's one man that came in wearing his MAGA hat and said, I will never vote for a Democrat. Like, Democrat versus Republican is the issue here. Hey, if I had the choice between two people who would be honest, open, responsive on the board, and and one was a Democrat and the other was a Republican, I would vote for Republican. Republican but that was not the case yes some of the challengers were democrats but they were people who i had more confidence would be responsible responsive to questions would ask would not be shutting down blocking and ignoring people who disagreed with them would have a more diligent eye on the contracts would not deny the area where our district is very ob- obviously lacking and would not be trying to sell out our schools to the privatization agenda so Because they got a Tea Party postcard, they voted for someone with a very spotty past and where there's ample evidence that he abused his position of trustee over someone like Bob Rehack, who has over decades proven his integrity and commitment to the community and who has also been a Republican for 50 years. So what happened after the election? The incumbents won. Right after that, they purchased an office building for $4.5 million with funds, $3.5 million, that were supposed to be used to expand an existing administration building. See any like problem there? Yeah, so the building that they purchased had flooded not once, but twice in the past two years, and then flooded again two months later when Harvey hit, as did the original building that was supposed to be expanded. So we have not one, but two flooded buildings. And the superintendent said in the hearing that the estimate was that it would take 10 million to replace, repair each of these two flooded buildings. Now, whether it did or not still remains to be seen. I like the administration has, is always throwing around numbers as if like, there's no difference between them. Like, Five million, million, what's the difference? I've been told by a district insider that the entire seventh floor of the purchase building is going to be an office for the superintendent because, you know, she has to have a penthouse. So, yeah. But hey, at least progressives didn't take over the school board, right? So then what happened to that fifth trustee position? You haven't forgotten about that one, have you? Yeah, so that was the one that was held by the hospital executive who was playing coy about whether or not he was planning on moving out of the district. Of course he moved. And of course the board appointed someone rather than holding it up for election. Of course, because that was a plan all along. He had a fully accepted contract on the house he was buying on the west side a week before the deadline for the candidate filing. He knew all along he was moving. Did any of those people who swore up and down that he didn't know ever, ever apologize? Did they ever admit that they were wrong and that their friend was lying to them? Of course not. Guess what? Just because someone says they're a Republican, it doesn't mean they won't lie to you. It doesn't mean they aren't dirty, and it certainly doesn't mean that they are a Christian. Trust me, since we lost that election, I have spent countless hours looking through campaign finance reports because I want to know who meddled in our district. And it's not just our school board and it's not just the Kingwood Tea Party. These types of dirty and underhanded dealings, lies, and manipulations are more the rule than the exception voting straight ticket is a lazy and irresponsible way to vote. It allows people who are selling us out to stay in power. And because of what I witnessed and experienced in our school board election, I will never again make a political party the primary determinant of my vote. And it also makes it very difficult for me to have patience with those who do. And I try to remember to have patience and that I was once pretty close to having the same mindset But it makes me want to shake them and tell them to wake up, that they are being played for fools. So what's the point of all this? You know, a good number of people have already voted, and I highly doubt that anything that I've just said will make the slightest bit of difference to people in the thrall of that spirit I mentioned in the beginning. They won't hear and probably can't even understand what I'm saying. But there just might be a Christian who hears this who hasn't voted yet and who is feeling conflicted about their vote. Maybe they don't like what they, they see their Republican candidate doing or supporting, yet they have everyone around them insisting that they must vote Republican no matter what. No, you don't. Voting Republican is not necessarily a virtue, and it certainly does not make you any less of a Christian if you don't vote for them. It's up to us to hold our own group, our own political party accountable. The end never justifies the means. I've seen so many people trashing and condemning Democrats when they are doing the exact same things themselves. Right and wrong is not determined by political party. As Christians, we acknowledge that truth and justice are not something that we determine ourselves. It is determined by God alone, and we answer to him. That someone else is doing wrong does not give us a pass for doing the same thing. It just makes us both wrong. If we're claiming a high moral ground, we must actually be on that high ground. As Dr. Young once said, you have to do the right thing in the right way, at the right time, for the right reasons. So if you don't know how to vote, just pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to tell you. And trust me, he will. I've done this for the last, last couple elections and I've, I've gotten an answer both times. And thank God that we have an opportunity to do this. Thank him for blessing you by putting you in a time and in a country where your voice is heard.